The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now, after four years in the role, changes are being made to the PSNI with the resignation of the Chief Constable Simon Byrne. It's going to make it very difficult for whoever takes up that job. Now, to give us more insight, former Director of Communications for the Ulster Unionist Party, uh, full time commentator and columnist Alex Kane. Good, Alex, good morning. Morning, Pat. Hi. Now, it seemed to me that uh, this was coming, uh, but it came in the end rather suddenly. Yes, I think it's been coming for uh, at least a month, maybe a little bit longer than that. It goes back originally, I think, this this big crisis um, to a huge uh, data breach where the the information about all 10,000 serving officers and civilian staff in the PSNI was left up online and is now believed uh, much of it to be in the hands of of dissident Republicans, which is obviously a huge headache for those worried about personal safety in their cars and their children, their schools and their movements. Uh, and there was a sense, I think, that the, the, the PSNI, particularly the chief constable, former chief constable Simon Byrne, hadn't really grasped the full scale of the, yeah. the problem. And then, of course, we had um, in the past few days where uh, a court ruling had found against him. It's uh, two officers who fought a case in court about how they'd been disciplined by the PSNI, won their case. The chief constable backed the finding. He said, I totally accept the judgment of the court. And then two days after that, he changes his mind, says he might appeal it. And at that point, Pat, it was clear that this yeah. was a man who had lost control of his own force. Yeah. Now, it's worth uh, teasing out that particular story because uh, that, that obviously had political ramifications. But you have um, two uh, PSNI members, junior uh, officers, who take a particular action and then they are disciplined for that action. And it is thought that the reason they were disciplined is either real or imagined political pressure from Sinn Féin. Well, I, I think it's clear if you, if you looked at the evidence and heard the evidence in, in, in the court hearing that there was a very clear impression that came from uh, Simon Byrne's legal counsel that he believed, the chief constable believed, there was uh, an existential threat to the police service, that there was a, a, a likelihood, possibility, probability, the word was never quite defined, that uh, Sinn Féin would withdraw uh, from the policing board. Now, some of your listeners probably don't know, and I won't bore you with the full details, simply to say that there would not have been an executive formed with Sinn Féin and the DUP back in 2007 had Sinn Féin not signed up to very public support for the PSNI. So any sense that that support was being withdrawn would have collapsed the Assembly anyway. If, Sinn Féin, if it was true that Sinn Féin were doing that, the Assembly would have collapsed anyway. Sinn Féin say they didn't say that. So we have a situation where nobody's quite sure what was said to whom and why, because an awful lot of this doesn't appear to have been recorded either on a tape, at a phone, or in, in, in minutes afterwards. And I think, again, it was the confusion that was left in his wake that caused uh, so many problems for Byrne. Yeah. So uh, we don't know who approached Simon Byrne or one of his underlings and said, by the way, uh, Sinn Féin will pull out of the policing board if uh, these officers are not disciplined for, for uh, taking some action against Republicans. No, we, we, we don't know that. Although it was said, it was reported in a number of newspapers up here, and no one has denied it, that Simon Byrne told the policing board last Thursday that it was Michelle O'Neill ha- had told him that that's what would happen. I think in, sometimes a case like this, Pat, where it's not a... F- 
properly recorded and someone hasn't listened in and taken notes at the time. I know the way Northern Ireland works. P- people get upset. They will say things like, look, my community is not going to be happy with that. I'm getting a lot of grief on the streets from my side of the fence. You're going to need to sort this out. Whether she, and this is what it'll come down to because it's a huge issue. Whether or not Michelle O'Neill actually said the words to Simon Byrne, if you do not punish these two officers, then I am telling you now, Sinn Féin will withdraw from the policing board. I have to say, Pat, I would find it extraordinary if that's what if, if she did say that, because she knows that in withdrawing Sinn Féin, that, yeah. that would... But you see, in a situation where nothing's being recorded... And we don't know, you know, where they might have met, in what circumstances uh, these conversations would have taken place. But it doesn't even have to be between the two principals, you know, Simon Byrne and Michelle O'Neill. It can be someone purporting to represent Michelle O'Neill and someone who is, you know, an underling or or in the chief constable's office can have those kind of conversations. And it keeps, if you like, the hands of the principals clean. Yes, that, 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 that would n- normally be the case. And lots of conduits operate at street level and will, will have conversations with senior officers privately, off the record. It happens all the time. But in this particular case, because it was mentioned in the, the, the judgment by Justice Schofield at the end of the, the, the case involving the two officers, he said it in his ruling, in his judgment against the chief constable, he said that the, the, the PS and I were making it very clear that they thought there was a, a particular threat, a particular danger of Sinn Féin withdrawing. And the, the, I suppose the logic of that is if, if the police believe that, if the very highest levels of the police believe that, they must have had very good reason yeah. to believe that. But, but, but it is a test of character, a test of character for, for uh, Simon Byrne, because you know, direct political interference. You have a policing board to do a certain job. If you have party political interference, in other words, from the DUP or from Sinn Féin, whoever it might be, uh, telling the police, the chief constable, how to do his job, I mean, he really has to face them down. Oh, I I agree. I think that's a very important point. Pat, and I think it's something that we, we now know that there will be a review of what's happened over the past few months. But that is a crucial point. A police... Senior police officers at any level, and particularly the head of a force, will be aware, no matter where they are in the United Kingdom or Ireland or across Europe, they will be aware that they, 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 they need to understand government policy. They need to understand justice. They need to understand legislation. They need to understand the nuances of their own area. I cannot think of any other place you know, outside of dictatorships where the head of a police force is in some ways, feels himself or believes himself to be in some way accountable to a political yeah. party. It doesn't matter which side of the fence it is, but somebody comes up to him and says, well, if you do that, Chief Constable, I can tell you you've got a problem. That is, and you're right, that should be faced down. And when they're doing the review of the, the PSNI, they need to make it very clear to, to Simon Byrne's successor, you are not answerable to a political party. You are not answerable to anything but the rule of law. And here, in terms of accountability, it's the policing board. But this notion that politicians think it's okay, senior politicians think it's okay, to actually phone the chief constable yeah. and say... But well, we, don't on, you- we, we don't know. We don't know what happened. That is uh, Simon Byrne's contention. And uh, obviously, b- the judge believed that, that, that something of that uh, order had occurred yes. to lead him to that belief. But his response anyway is probably the stuff of resignation you know you've got to face down uh, political masters who tell you to to do certain things to your own officers in order to appease a political cause i mean if that were true it w- it would certainly be a resignation matter it would be but i think it's also worth saying pat that um 
when the, when the, the ruling was given, the chief constable accepted it totally. And there was a sense of vindication for the officers. Yes, uh, I think there was a feeling that in some way they would be recompensed, compensated, maybe, you know, apologised to and so on. But within 24 hours, the very clear impression was given by Byrne to the policing board that he might take an appeal. That, in other words, he was maybe no longer, you know, completely supporting his officers. And in terms of his resignation, I remember turning to a fellow journalist and saying, and we both said together, that's it, it's over. At that moment, we knew because at that moment, the Police Federation had issued a statement, the Superintendent's Association had issued a statement saying they would be votes of confidence. At that moment, it wouldn't have mattered after that, Pat, what the policing board had said. It wouldn't have mattered if the NIO had stepped in. At that moment, it was clear that his own, his own staff, mm-hmm. men, women, civilians, officers, were, had lost total and utter faith. And that's when it became a, a resignation issue. I think he, he could have avoided it with a bit more subtlety and so on. But he he muddied the water so much that at one point on third, last Thursday, I don't think anybody knew who had said what to whom and why. Finally, Alex, uh, you know, the successor, whoever he or she may be, um, what, what you're saying, it's got to be someone who understands nuance. It's got to be someone who's strong. Um, and you're wondering, can they find someone within Northern Ireland to do that job? Or do they, like Simon Byrne, go and get an English person or from some other jurisdiction who might not be as you know, well-versed in the nuance of Northern Ireland? Well, uh, I, I think it's, it, no matter who gets the job, Pat, it, it's a nightmare. Uh, I, I think they will look outside. I, I think they will trawl, you know, uh, can you do wide and deep trawling? But you know what I mean? That I think they'll, they'll throw the net far and wide to see who they can get it attract. There, there are some people, two or three people, I won't name them because they haven't publicly expressed an interest, but they're in other forces, but they have experience um, with, with, with Northern Ireland Police Service. They've worked here before, they would understand. But thing, one thing I think is really important, and it, it, if you look at the PSNI, it's been there 20-odd years, it's now got the two young officers who were involved in the incident two years ago. I think we're in their early 20s, not even born when the Good Friday Agreement was, was understood. It's not under simply understanding the nuances of politics in Northern Ireland, uh, uh, Pat, for the, the police force in Northern Ireland. It's for a younger generation of police officers who don't even know when they're walking down a particular road, which seemed, with the Armour Road in Belfast and, the, and that particular case. They don't know. They have no memory. They weren't in the service at the time. They weren't paying attention to politics or history at the time. They don't understand the subtleties of each local street and each local community because that's what Northern Ireland is. It isn't just an us and them area. It, it subdivides into even more subtle, nuanced areas. So whoever comes in and takes over that role, and it's a responsibility for the policing board too, they have to actually say, how do we explain to this younger generation, these people, the men and women in their 20s coming into our police force, so in that particular road, that issue has to be resolved. You have to remember there's a terrible shooting there, you know, 30 years ago. Go down 35, 40 yards, there's something terrible happened, but that happened to the other side. You have to learn. Those youngsters have to learn who to talk to. They have to learn history. And that's a remarkably difficult thing to do, Pat, because Northern Ireland is not a post-conflict society. Northern Ireland is still a conflict. Still, mate. And I mean, there's so many sensitivities still out there. The slightest thing, most unintended thing, and I've done it myself, the slightest thing can cause offence. You never meant to cause it, but you just, something slipped through your own mental net. And I've been, I've been in this game 50 odd years, and even I can do it. So imagine what a youngster, young constable, you know, when they're facing a situation they've never faced with before, has no idea what the back, political background is or the particular background is. And they've been asked to try and cope with that. They need to find a way of, of, of training them for that too.
commentator and columnist, former director of communications for the Ulster Unionist Party, Alex Kane. Alex, thank you very much for your insight. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.